together. Tonight we are uh, on session four of the, our study on the Holy Spirit. Specifically, last week we talked about baptism uh, in the Holy Spirit. Tonight we want to talk about filling uh, in the Holy Spirit or filling with the Holy Spirit or filling by the Holy Spirit. So you should have the document in front of you and uh, we'll just walk through that. We wanna, I'll try to abbreviate tonight so that we have some time to have some conversation. Um, in smaller groups, and we'll see how that goes. So what does the Bible say? Well, let's think about the objective first. The objective is just to distinguish between baptism in the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I'll just say from the get-go, one of the things that we'll kind of say throughout is like, um, and we'll say at the very end, ultimately, there's this posture that we want to have, and that is for an increasing movement of the Holy Spirit in us. And uh, we're just saying that uh, what we said last week in particular was baptism in the Holy Spirit more defined, specifically defined as, the, as being baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit um, um, or by Jesus in the Spirit. And, and so uh, what this is, the Bible says, what does the Bible say about the differences between being baptized in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit? Spirit baptism is a metaphor. Um, and, and on one hand, it's just a picture, right? It's a baptism. It's, there, there is some argument of like that the word baptism, the people put too much freight with the word baptism. Like, so whether it's baptism or filling, it's just like maybe, maybe it's not as much of a doctrinal position as much as just a way that people communicate, uh, specifically Luke and Paul, and then others. But spirit baptism being a metaphor describes our reception of the spirit at the moment of our conversion to Jesus in faith and repentance. When we believe and are justified, we are, as it were, deluged and engulfed by the spirit. We are immersed in and saturated by the spirit. There is a regenerating work of the spirit and we are indwelt by the spirit. There is a being baptized into one body, by the Spirit, by Jesus in the Spirit, and we are made members of the body of Christ, incorporated into the spiritual organism called the church. This is what Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians 12. And then the Spirit comes to indwell us permanently, which goes back and harks back about four or five weeks ago where we talked about the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament as, com as compared to the New Testament. One of the things that's different is that the Holy Spirit no longer comes on and off people for specific things, which is what, it ha what happened in the Old Testament um, most generally. So uh, specifically, the Spirit comes in the New Testament. We are a spirit people. That's, that's what defines us, spirit people brought into the body of Christ. So we would say spirit baptism is instantaneous. It's not a process. Being baptized, not a second work of grace per se. Uh, though we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, coincident with conversion, universal, unrepeatable, and permanent. And all Christians are recipients of this Holy Spirit. So there's not a Christian out there that does not have the Holy Spirit. Like they just believed somehow. That, that's, uh, it's just doesn't, it's not, it's not a reality. Spirit filling, on the other hand, is also a metaphor describing our continuous, ongoing experience and appropriation of the Holy Spirit. So it's important to use those words, continuous, ongoing experience and appropriation of the Holy Spirit. So there is an action that we are called to have as well as the action of Holy God, the Father, 
giving out, doling out his spirit in, in a good gift. To be filled with the spirit is to come under progressively more intense and intimate influence of the spirit. And, and if, if, if this is true, which we believe it is true, this, this ongoing filling, this ongoing experience and appropriation of the spirit, and if it's true that being filled with the spirit then is to come under progressively more intense and intimate influence of the spirit, intense and intimate, the, the the realities there it doesn't mean doesn't mean other things necessarily. Just but the intense and intimate influence of the spirit, spirit filling then also can be resisted, forfeited, and subsequently then yet experienced again. There is a quenching of the spirit that Christians can can do by walking according to the flesh, for instance. Um, there's a resistance that can happen there. And yet, subsequently experience, again, it's not as though a Christian who is living by the flesh, at least for a season, doesn't have the Holy Spirit, doesn't, isn't indwelt by the Spirit, but as far as the Spirit informing and strengthening and causing relationship to be intimate, if that's not, that, that's not going to be happening as someone's walking in sin, walking in self-centeredness and self-saturation, um, as far as like the way that we're talking about being filled with the Spirit. Um, ongoing experience, appropriation of the Holy Spirit. Uh, texts which describe people as being full of the Holy Spirit. Can you think of, about a couple in the New Testament? John the Baptist, right? Jesus. Who, who else? Peter, good. Who else? Stephen, right? He was full of the Spirit, a man full of the Spirit. Matter of fact, the the, the man that they chose for the you know, kind of proto-deacon to look after the Hellenist, Hellenist women, they were men of the Spirit, men who were filled with the Spirit. Um, and, um, and so it was a condition, a consistent quality of Christian character. These men were known, not just, not just they had the spirit and nobody saw it. It's like they were, it, it was able to be seen. They were full of the spirit. Um, they had Christian character, a moral disposition. They possessed and reflected a maturity in Christ. And so, um, so that was some of the definitions of being full of the spirit. And, um, and it is, uh, according to many texts, it is the abiding state of of a Christian's life to be being filled with the Spirit, to, to have the Spirit not just indwelling us, but to be empowered by experiencing and appropriating the Holy Spirit to, um, to walk by the Spirit and to live in uh, step, keep in step with the Spirit, those kind of things. Um, so there is a describing people being full of the Holy Spirit, which seems to indicate that there are some who are indwelt, but perhaps not filled, it's not clear. For sure, anyway. So second, uh, texts which describe people as being filled with the Spirit to enable them to fulfill or perform a special task or to equip them for service or ministry. So sometimes it would be like a specific filling of, of the Spirit to give someone a gift, for instance, or to do whatever in someone's life to give them something long-term. Um, might be lifelong. It might be a specific office. Um, a specific way to serve in the church for a season, possibly, or long-term. Um, and also, like this reality of a spiritual emergency, that um, that there is there are some who are filled with the Spirit who will be filled with the Spirit on ongoing, sometimes specifically for a specific event, 
Um, you've really you've felt really tired at times, you know, you're just like, just kind of living and you are pressing in God's word, you're like, but you're not, you're not really trusting him per se, you're just kind of wrestling in life and just not feeling anything. There is a, and then, and then you're, you have the spirit, you're indwelt by the spirit, but there is something that we long for, right? We long for more of the spirit. We long to be filled with the spirit for love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control, for the gifts, common good of the church, this pursuit, and sometimes in a specific situation, somebody might not have a specific gift of leadership per se, but for a specific situation, a spirit might come on them in power and give them what they need for that moment. Um, and the reality is there's always room for more, top of page four. Um, and uh, so you think about Stephen in, in Acts 7, verse 55, though he was a man full of the Spirit, it says that he is again filled with the Spirit to prepare him to endure persecution. Um, so there's more to be had. Uh, there is more filling. There's ongoing fillings. Um, and um, so skip those two paragraphs and go to summary. To be filled with the Spirit is different from being baptized in the Spirit. That's what we're saying. There is one baptism, but multiple fillings. Uh, in, in no New Testament text are we commanded to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. There is no appeal to do something in order to be baptized, no exhortation or imperative. We are baptized. It is a... Um, it is something that is done to us. On the other hand, we're commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled, Ephesians 5.18, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's possible, another point, it's possible, again, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, that is to be born again, and have the indwelling of Spirit, to experience the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and yet not be filled with the Spirit in power and the sound mind and with, with power for ministry and for, like, there can be a resistance like the Corinthian church. Um, and there was pursuit of them by Paul to speak to them about that. To be full of the Holy Spirit is to reflect again then a maturity of character. It's the ideal condition of every believer. And so a man or a woman full of the Holy Spirit would be some man or woman who isn't just mature as the world sees maturity, although it would certainly include some of that, but it would be someone who really is Godward in her thinking, someone who is, um, has their character being changed and altered. It is a person who is increasing, not perfect, but increasing in holiness, increasing in passions towards the Lord, increasing in care for one another. We'll get to some of these things in a few moments. To be um, filled then also, point six, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to experience an anointing for power, purity, proclamation, and praise. It's to experience an anointing for power, purity, proclamation, and praise. You think about power for a life lived for the Lord, a power to be a godly parent, a power to be a godly spouse, a power to be a godly student, um, including purity, um, that the Spirit is moving in us in that way, sanctifying us um, and filling us afresh. So purity is not just simply always just this like dogged saying no, it is there is our hearts, affections are being changed. There are those times, right, where we're called to put, to sin, put sin to death. And we are called to put sin to death, but not in our own strength necessarily, but by the power of the Spirit. 
in cooperation with our hard work, right? And remembering certain things. So, um, so it's pure power, purity, proclamation. Um, there's going to be a, a time in a few weeks from now where, where we're going to um, be asking our church family to, to go after church on a Sunday and just kind of go. We have, to, we have to find out if there's, I'm not sure if Dayton has a no soliciting kind of thing, if that's an issue. I don't know, because we, we, <laughs> we get plenty of uh, people selling those magazines. So, um, but to go, to go into our neighborhood and just like give them an invite to our Christmas Eve service and Christmas service and, and just to say we're here. So um, for some people, they're like all over that. They've just, there's been this sense of like, I want to do that. And they're just empowered for that. There's others who are just like, that totally freaks them out. And going door to door feels like I don't want to be seen as a Mormon or Jehovah's Witness or I don't want them to hate us or whatever. We need the power of the Spirit. It's not even proclaiming the gospel in that moment. It's just saying, hey, you know, we're your neighbors, but we need the Spirit. And then praise. Just, just, just even in this moment when, uh, when Ben was leading, um, it's hard to lead to a small, to a small crowd uh, or lead a small crowd. Um, it's very easy for, um, for a leader. Uh, this didn't come across at all. And, and it might just be me, too. So I don't know. You can tell me, Sam. But, but like sometimes it's very difficult, unless, unless the crowd is small, like in a small group setting, but in a big room where people are peppered, scattered around, it can feel very um, difficult. So I was here. And, you know, some people, people are singing or not singing or whatever is happening. It's like, I need the Spirit to, to be poured in my heart so that I might cry out, holy, holy, you are holy. To take my eyes off of, you know, like the way I'm feeling about something or the way I'm feeling generally or the way things, things are happening, you know, this week or this weekend or all, all of the things, all the pressures. We need... To, and. To, to be able to be empowered by the Spirit to praise. And so when there is praise, be it, be it um, you know, like a like demonstrative kind of praise or a qu quiet, reflective kind of thing, but, you, you know, like the way it's happening in your heart and mind doesn't have to look certain ways, but it includes singing. We'll get to, get to this towards the end, but this sense, no matter how many people are in a room, it, it could just be one person or two people. But to, it's, it's when there's a packed room and everybody's singing, like at the Sovereign Grace Pastors Conference, I mean, man, there's just power, right? There's power there. Is it Holy Spirit power? Probably. Um, think so, because it, the Holy Spirit gives us um, praise, gives us a heart of praise. So we want to grow in that. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to experience the anointing for power, purity, proclamation, and praise. Um, more things than that, but specifically those are things we talked about. So a closer look at Ephesians 5.18, which is the command for, from Paul. It says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, which tends toward debauchery, but be filled, drunk, um, with the Spirit. It's, it's a question of influence and control or power. It's not acting like an idiot it's, uh, um, or making much of yourself. It is, it is on the other hand, a... Um, um, there is a sense that the Spirit is poured out on us in such a way to fill us that we are so influenced, so controlled by, so empowered by, that we simply love other things. And we 
praise and we proclaim and we live in holiness and we uh, live in power. There is this being filled um, and, and uh, influenced or controlled. And again, as compared to being drunk with wine. So we, we've all seen or whatever, we've seen drunk people or have been drunk or whatever. We know the effect that it has on the body and the mind. And we know that when people are like really drunk, they're very adversely affected and will say all sorts of things or they fall asleep or whatever. I mean, that's, that's the nicer way. Then there's the others who are very, very not good and cause significant damage. Either way, the, the wine, the alcohol, the whatever it is, is affecting that person, you know, releasing like whatever's already in their heart into some sort of terrible reality. And so we are indwelled by the Spirit. We have a desire for God, a longing for His Word, a, a love for His people, um, but we wrestle. And then the Spirit fills us, and we are being filled with the Spirit. Not just today, not just tomorrow, but like, like all the time. We're continually to live in this kind of thing that we would be, that that indwelling of the Spirit would just like, would, would come, come alive differently broader and more, so more holiness, more, um, more effectiveness. Um, <clears throat> so it's, it's not, like I think about a, a marriage and I think, okay, you are wrestling in your marriage and you um, need to humble yourself. Somebody needs to humble themselves. Both people need to humble themselves, but humble themselves. There needs to be correction. I'm just saying like a normal kind of situation, not a not a bad situation. There needs to be some work done. Ultimately, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit. So one of the first things that, that we want to pray, want to be concerned with, is that the Lord would be gracious to fill us with the Spirit so that we would be so affected, so influenced, so controlled by the Spirit that we would walk in humility with one another. Not that we would be perfect people, right? That's not going not to happen on this side of eternity. But, um, but we are growing in Christ-likeness. We truly are growing in Christ-likeness. And that role of growing us into Christ-likeness is whose? The Spirit. The Spirit is conforming us to the image of the Son. Um, <clears throat> okay. Uh, go to point three on page five. The verb that's used as far as being filled, it's, it's, a, it's an imperative, it's a command. It's not a suggestion, it's not a mild recommendation. Uh, it's not a polite piece of advice that, hey, you know, this is a good idea. Being filled with the Spirit is not optional, it's obligatory. So, so it should be um, on our minds all the time, regularly. Lord, fill me with the Spirit. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to, I want to grow in the Spirit. I want to, I, you cannot make it happen, but you can sit under all the means of grace and pursue the Spirit specifically and not forget or quench the Spirit by living a life that is against the Spirit. The verb is plural as well, and it's interesting. It's like it's, he's writing to a church here, right, in, in Ephesus. And so this plural is like a you all be filled with the Holy Spirit. So when we, when, when we it's, it's certainly there's an individual nature to it, right? But there is something about when we get together, you all, filled, you all be filled with the Spirit. 
continue, like together, growing in the spirit, uh, community life, the need for God's people to be so collectively full of God's presence that their worship is transformed, not just, not just by, you know, um, you know, really effective worship leading, but, but like, like the we would, no matter how many people are in the room, you know, it's like the, we, we're helped by more people, right? But there's, there's the reality of like, like when I hear um, someone else singing out, there's a strengthening that happens in my soul. Um, there is something that the Spirit's doing in someone else, and it's like there's a sharing of the Spirit in those moments. Um, not to point you out, Mason, but the but I'm going to. So like from li- so Joy was watching a live stream last week, and and. Um, so the danger is uh, in saying this, like don't don't be, don't worry about this. But like the 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 reality is like when Joy was just so encouraged by your um, uh, demonstrative kind of like she was surprised how demonstrative you were in in your singing, and it's like part of Chris could be faking it, right? But the but the reality is is that there is something changing in you, and I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago. I see that and have felt that and been a recipient of that. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's awesome. So verbs, plural, um, growing together to help, to see us, um, transformed, not just individually, but transformed as a church into a worshiping, praying church. The verb is present tense. So it's an ongoing experience, continuous, um, not so much a dramatic or decisive experience to settle things, settles things once for all or something, but a daily appropriation. Richard Gaffin, one, um, um, commentator, scholar, guy says, this command is relevant to all believers throughout the whole of their lives. No believer may presume to have experienced a definitive filling of the Spirit so that the command of verse 18 no longer applies. Short of death or the Lord's return, it continues in effect for every believer to be continually being filled. Now, if you don't know who Richard Gaffin is, Richard Gaffin is a... Um, he, is he still alive? He's not alive, is he? Gaffin? Is he still alive? Okay. Um, yeah, he's getting old, so I, but, but he, he would be, um, he would not be one that's in our kind of camp concerning the spirit, but, but here's what he's saying. This command, Ephesians 5.18, is relevant to all believers throughout the whole of their lives. No believer, no believer may presume to have experienced the definitive filling of the spirit, so that the command of verse 18 no longer applies. And of course, he's, he's speaking to some who would say there's a second work of grace, and once that second work of grace happens... There's salvation, but then there's this other thing that happens, and you're good to go. Whether you're, whether and we talked about some of that last week, I think, right? Um, with Wesleyans or or uh, Nazarenes or Pentecostals or or some even in our own, in our own churches who would believe in that in that kind of thing. So. Um, the, the mere fact that we are commanded to be filled in, implies that there is a danger that we're faced of, of being, for lack of a better term, low in the spirit. I think we probably all know what that feels like. Empty. But not empty, because we have the indwelling of the spirit. And we're always in need of refreshing and renewal. No matter what church you go to, we hear stuff like refreshment and renewal and revival. We're just saying the biblical commands are this, be being filled with the Holy Spirit, call it what it is. Um, what is the consequential um, 
evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit or by the Holy Spirit, um, speaking to one another in, in ministry. So turn to uh, Ephesians 5.18 for a moment. So let's go back to verse um, 16. Sorry, that's wrong, wrong book. Okay, uh, halfway through verse 14. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. How being filled with the Spirit? Well, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he goes into um, marriage, marriages, specifically what it looks like in marriage. But specifically, it's these, it's these things, speaking to one another in a kind of ministerial kind of way. So when I see Mason responding, or seeming to respond to the Spirit, it's encouraging. When I hear people singing or see people singing or listening to the Word and nodding or, you know, like, um, not, that, not that anybody has to do this, right? But like Kate Ziney's stepfather, just like, he, he was here a handful, a couple of weeks ago. And I don't know if you, you guys know him probably, but you know him because he's, whenever he visits, I mean, how many amens does he, he just, it's very encouraging, right? It's just like speaking, speaking like, yes, I believe, I agree with that. That's, that's, that's good. Um, and, uh, but then singing to God as well, wholeheartedly worship, wholehearted worship and corporate fellowship. It doesn't mean that we're on like, on a, mountain high all the time, but their wholehearted worship does, does look like invested worship, right? There is, a, there is a sense of like responding to the Spirit. And it might be in a quiet, very quiet way, or it might be very demonstrative. And one is not better than the other, although there is a reality of like lift up holy hands to the King, you know? There's those kind of things that are just like, for, for us, when, when we came to Sovereign Grace in 2006, we felt, even though a lot of people were, were demonstrative in their singing, in, in the worship and song, Joy and I really hadn't, we'd, we had grown up in a whole different setting. So we came into that situation, and it felt like this, like, like we knew we were being taught, we knew, we knew that, hey, like lifting holy hands, lifting hands to the king and, and saying, yes, you are, you just, or, or, or this, or whatever, those kind of things, just this posture of heart is really helpful and growing. But it was as though I felt like everybody in the universe was watching us. And like, you know, like, and so our eyes were fixed on the wrong, the wrong thing, but... But the reality is that's, that's a hard thing. So we need the Spirit to move in us that we might sing to God, um, to, to 
potentially then also grow in the way that we communicate in our worship as well and the way that we teach one another. So uh, not just simply by teaching like this, but a didactic kind of thing in worship and worshiping. So we're speaking to one another. So I don't know if you remember, like six weeks ago, Ben was leading and we were going to sing just the chorus of like, how great thou art. And we had a little bit of time. We weren't running too, too far behind that day. And, and so um, we were just gonna sing um, the chorus, right? And got to the end of the chorus and everybody had just like, it's like, it's like the flame went on, you know, just like, and you could hear it. And so Ben wisely in the moment said, time's good, spirit seems to be moving, we're, we're gonna sing a verse. Remember this? And we sang that verse. It's not because of Ben's excellent leadership, although there was a good leadership, there was good leadership in that, in that day specifically. And, and it just went from there, right? And there was just, and we were singing to God, but singing to one another, reminding each other, oh, like, uh, what's verse three? Um, and, and when I think that God is son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. And we're singing that out and we're singing it to the Lord, but like the Lord knows, right? So we're like, but we're singing to each other. We're hearing one another. And, and there is a, there is, there is the work of the spirit that's happening as we're speaking to one another in song, helping each other grow in this and, and not just being dis, like distracted by one another, but helping one another. Uh, gratitude for all things at all times. Um, so two days ago, went, uh, came back from um, Cincinnati, dropped the kids off to go back to Turkey. And then uh, um, I got a text from Krishna and Krishna said, hey, Joe is not unresponsive and she's moaning every once in a while. So um, I said, I'll be, you know, we're in Cincinnati, we'll be up there shortly and I'll stop by. <clears throat> and so I stop in and, and you, know, you, you know, just, you just knew unless the Lord works and she was like very close. And, um, and Krishna is just speaking all these, not just these things to just kind of try to believe it. He's saying, the Lord is good. He knows what he's doing. I don't know. I, I don't know what he's doing, but he knows what he's doing and I can trust him. I can rest in him. Um, and he's given us a good life. And he has been so good to us. And you hear that heart of thanksgiving that's happening. That's a heart that is being filled with the spirit. Uh, there's a thankful heart uh, that's happening. I took a picture of him walking down the hall it's a kind of, uh, um, it's an emotional picture because I saw him walking down the hall with, uh, um, with Joe's uh, walker, wheelchair kind of walker thing. And he was just walking slow down the hall without his wife. And uh, it's a sad moment, right? Sad moments, sad days. 47, 45 years, 47 years. And then um, Joe's gone. And yet, all I heard out of him was thanksgiving and praise. Um, I want more of that. Uh, mutual submission. As 
compared to pastors lording it over people or other people lording it over one another. A mutual submission. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is the work of the Spirit. So when there is this submission to one another, um, that's a beautiful thing. So, all right, let's jump to page six and we'll go to the objectives of this next section. We'll kind of run through this a little bit and then we'll break up into groups and, and ask some questions. Um, how, uh, consider together how we might regularly experience the filling of the Holy Spirit uh, and grow in our desire for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So you don't need to go someplace necessarily to, to get more of the Holy Spirit, although there is something beautiful that happens on, in the corporate worship uh, where God's people are meeting together in Mount Zion uh, before the throne, and uh, that's a beautiful reality. But part of the thing is like the, we can grow day after day after day. You don't have to be here, don't have to be at a, like a revival place somewhere. Um, to go and get more of the Spirit. Although that's another conversation, and I would not uh, discourage anybody if there's a significant revival going on someplace, you know, I think, you know, I think I might. I remember listening to uh, some of uh, Rick's story about the Toronto Blessing early on um, before it got a little out of hand, but the, the, um, just that desire to be there, it's like, what is going on? And if if there's something I can gain from this by following the Spirit, I want to do that. But we don't have to go somewhere. We don't have to travel anywhere. We can, we can, we can keep a clean heart each day and walk in holiness. That's a way to pursue the filling of the Spirit, choosing to um, deny yourself, as Jesus would say, and take up your cross and follow him daily, right? So like that reality, keeping a clean heart and walking in holiness, and I think um, if you listen to Sunday sermon again at some point, or look at the uh, notes from the follow-up, you'll see some thoughts that I had in there as well. Sin just specifically grieves the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4, 30 and 31. So when we sin, and that doesn't matter what it is, when we sin, it doesn't have to be grievous, some sort of like really wicked, crazy, whatever sin that we think is grievous, but like harsh, harsh words, um, could potentially be a sin. And so considering that reality of, of we need to walk in holiness and sin grieving the Holy Spirit. And when you're grieving the Holy Spirit by walking in that sin, unrepentant sin, um, there's just not gonna be a, um, a filling of the Spirit. It doesn't mean that your indwelling is gone, the Spirit's left you. Um, it is just simply like you want to pursue the filling of the Spirit, well then keep a clean heart believe the gospel, trust the gospel, believe, believe the good news of Jesus Christ and walk in obedience. I think the way Joyce has it, Joy has it or had it in her prayer closet was repent, believe the gospel and walk in obedience. Um, and it's not, but it's, it's not just like, like those are things I need to do. And then if I do those things, all of this will happen. It's like, it's, it, is, it is positioning ourselves by walking in obedience to God's word and that is a response to the Spirit, because the Spirit is speaking, illumining the Word to us. We're responding to the Spirit, and He is changing us from the inside out, and there is filling. Rather than it just be kind of an experiential thing, like a big thing, it's like this continual. And both, both things, really, but um, pray for it. Second one, Luke eleven thirteen is Jesus speaking right, about, about praying for the Spirit. Pray to your Father in heaven. He's not going to give you a scorpion. He's, not gonna, he's, he's going to give you a good gift. And not just a good gift, Luke says, but Luke specifically says, how much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit? And the difference between Luke and 
um, is it Matthew, the other one? I think it's Matthew, the other one, that Matthew says, um, how much more will the, the Father give you good gifts? Well, Matthew wrote prior to Pentecost, when Pentecost, or experienced it differently in, before Pentecost, and but Luke, on the other hand, was down the road and watched the Spirit filling the church over and over and over again. And so he realized that that good gift that Matthew, that Jesus was talking about, that Matthew called a good gift, is actually like the best gift, and that is more of himself, the Spirit. Um, uh, let's see, point B. Since this exhortation is addressed to believers, the children of the Father... Um, the giving of the Spirit in response to prayer cannot refer to one's initial experience of salvation. That's just an interesting point. That they're children of the King, they're children of the Father who um, are receiving a gift from the Father, more of the Spirit. So it's not talking about the baptism of the Spirit moment, um, uh, although you could make an argument, uh, I suppose, for it, but there's more sense of the sense that, that the Father, the, our Father, the Father of lights, every good and perfect gift comes down from him, especially, or at the height, the Holy Spirit, more of himself. Um, uh, th number three, walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Uh, turn to Galatians 5. Just about done. Galatians 5. <clears throat> Verse 16. But I say, uh, let's see, let's back up. Um, let's go back to verse 7. Uh, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Well, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That, that sounds like an awesome promise. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, well, what is walking by the Spirit? Um, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, now, the works of the flesh are evident. This is not like a full list of them, right? But sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, all sorts of kind of idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, living in step with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, the fruit of that Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. 
And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, which, which we do as Christians, we live by the Spirit, in the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, be sensitive to his leading. That's the point. Prompting. Listen to the Spirit. Pursuing his presence. Um, walk and step with the Spirit. And, and if we have so much noise coming into us by way of whatever in our society or in our home, some good things and some not good things, right? There's so much information coming at us, so, much, so many thoughts coming at us that, that I think that we get bogged down in like the mire and we're trying to walk by the Spirit, but we're like so mired by all these other things. So what would the Spirit be calling us to do? What does it look like to walk and step with the Spirit? You guys can talk about this in a few moments together, but I would say that walking and step with the Spirit, the Spirit is always going to direct your eyes to Jesus, and primarily this book is about Jesus. And so, and you're going to learn about Jesus at the, here, and you're going to but primarily, and I think it's why over the last nine years, I've, I've, or eight years, whatever, I've, I've said, you know, we humble ourselves under the word of God by the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who illumines God's word. It's not that God's word is the third person of the Trinity. It's that God's word is that which the Spirit utilizes to illumine us, to cause our, cause our lives to change, cause us to see Jesus more clearly, to walk in obedience to him. So if the deeds of the flesh... Let's just throw out certain ones and get to jealousy, envy, small sin. Um, it's insidious. And so it's worth killing. It's worth it's worth saying, I don't want to walk in envy. I don't want to walk in dissension. I don't want to walk in this way. This is not, this is not the Holy Spirit's work in me. This is, this is my flesh rearing its ugly head and cutting it off. Let's cut it off. Put on Christ. The Spirit will cause you to put on Christ to, to repent and believe the gospel and walk in obedience. So the next time your spouse says something that, that just you know, is very irritating or something, that you respond with gentleness, patience, or your child, or somebody in the church, or whatever. That's just one, one section, right? So um, keeping in step with the Spirit. And then, uh, then thirst after Jesus. Turn to John chapter 7, and I think we'll just close on this and leave the other ones for your own study, or for your own, like, reading through. So John chapter 7. Verses 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Okay, so you come to Jesus, right? Come to Jesus, and Jesus is the focal point. Except, Jesus says in verse 39, he's talking about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. There is the reality of coming 
to Jesus by the power of the Spirit, with fresh infillings of the Spirit, opening our eyes to see Jesus clearer, there is a reality. And we know this, we've experienced this at times, when we are inundated with this sense of effect, we know how deep and wide and long and high the love of Christ is for us. We're just overwhelmed by that. That's, that's fresh filling of the Spirit. That is that reality. We're thirsting, thirsting for more, more, and more of, of that. So when we talk about filling with the Spirit here, we're not specifically only speaking about, like, ecstatic experiences or, although... Bring them, bring them, um, or um, uh, just always the utilization of gifts. So we are only talking about gifts. We'll talk about gifts in a little bit, but 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 like ultimately, this is about having more of God and uh, like changing our hearts and loving us so our lives would be pure, purer, more and more pure. That we would be conforming to Christ more and more. So it's not just about. Not just about power, although it includes power, right? When you receive the Spirit, you receive power, um, as we talked about last week. And there's, there's lots of those kind of things, but the reality is it's, the, it's, the, it's like the, at work or in the, in the car, in, in your truck. Just, it's not, it's not church. It's, you, you wouldn't be doing church in your truck uh, or having, having church, but, but spending time with the Lord, you know? Like, and I know that there's been times where, you know, like I was, I was coming back from a youth camp a couple years back, probably five years ago, and I was driving down 71, um, and uh, and it was clear as a bell out, and summertime, right? So August, it was warm. I had the window down. I'm just driving. I'm blaring something. I don't know what I was blaring. Um, I mean, it was a worship song, and I, I so was, and I was just singing it out so loud, um, and uh, and like. There was a there was a, a moment where um, this is like not a big deal, right? It's just like but for me, I felt I felt like an idiot on the highway because I was there was really not hardly anybody else there, so it was pretty safe. But I was driving and I just yelled, I just yelled out the window. I've yelled out the window when I've been tired and just trying to stay awake, stay awake, you know. But like this time, it was just I had to yell, "I love you, Jesus," and I yelled at the top of my lungs. Um, and, and there's just this moment, these, these moments where the Spirit fills afresh. And I just, just said, let's, let's long for, let's not just long for these, but let's, let's ask for more of these. There is, there is one other point I just wanted to mention real quick, and that is that um, we, we can ask for this, but on the other hand, like Stephen, when he was being stoned, filled with the Spirit, or a man full of the Spirit, but then he was filled with the Spirit. He was, it was like the sovereign God poured out the Spirit on him in that moment. There's a, it doesn't negate the request that we would ask for more of the Spirit, but it is like the Spirit. We know that sometimes we're not looking. We're not looking for the Spirit, and the Spirit just blows on us. Um, Lloyd-Jones, I think it was Lloyd-Jones that talked about the picture of the dad with his son or daughter and walking along the road, their, their father and son, and they're walking and everything's good. The son feels safe with his dad. He loves his dad. He knows his dad loves him. But then all of a sudden, his dad reaches down and picks him up and throws him in the air and he's giggling and laughing and there's like that reality. And then, then he puts him back down and they walk, they continue to walk, but there's those moments. Or another picture that was given that was helpful to me was a furnace 
and a furnace always has, hopefully, always has a pilot light on, right? So it's, it's obviously there's a hole in this if the pilot light burns, it goes out. It, but the pilot light of the spirit is never off. But every once in a while, thankfully, during winter, this is like, and you don't want your hand in there, you know, when it happens. And it's just like, and then it heats the house. That, that's, that's what we're saying, be being filled with the Spirit. That's the kind of thing that the Spirit does. Gives, gives our affections for Jesus. Though we would know, I think it's Ephesians 3, in the prayer, that, this, that we would be strengthened by the Spirit to know how deep and wide and high and, love the, the high and long the love of Christ is for us. I was kind of condensing it. but So um, hopefully all that is... Uh, helpful to some extent as far as what, uh, what we believe here, what we think about the Spirit, and we're in process as well, but we're pretty settled on the reality of, not pretty settled, we're very settled on the reality that, that we can ask and should expect that the Spirit is going to be poured out on us repeatedly. Um, and uh, so, in the last page, there are some questions. If you just break down into some groups, you can ask those questions. If you have questions for me in particular or some thoughts or whatever, um, I'll just be hanging around uh, as well. But go ahead and break up into some small groups and just talk. As there's really, I mean, you probably should just have three groups and just talk about, uh, uh, talk about those questions.